Welcome to Haven of Horror. This is Carpenter Month Week 1. I have Milton Man-Thing. The Day Ghost will be joining us right now. <laughs> While we are getting, uh, hopefully that fixed all of our technical issues. Um, we are going to start this, this week we are doing The Fog and The Thing. But, but both of them. Yes. But first, you guys still hear an echo. Let's make sure I'm, we I am not hearing an echo. Uh, I think we're good. Uh, but first, we're going to start with some news. And we're going to start with Milton. What do you have for news this week in horror? I mean, the stuff from the stuff here that we found on, uh, you know, the Discord channel. I didn't, I didn't find anything personally this week, but I'm, I'm still searching, so I apologize. But um, we do have here um, Stan Winston, a good article from Stan Winston here, kind of just detailing a lot of his work. Honestly, it's good to just remember the legacy that this guy has had throughout, honestly, a, a whole bunch of movies. There's a whole bunch. You probably you probably have seen at least one of these movies with his work in it, with the uh, like here, with the you know the uh, puppet creation kind of stuff with animatronics. The only comparable stuff I could find in the industry might be like Jim Henson with his uh, Creature Shop. Um, that's like that's like the closest amount of work that I could see that could compare to the stuff that he's done. But uh, but yeah, Stan so Stan Winston, um, some of the stuff he's done, the Queen of the Lair and She Creature, the Pterodons Jurassic Park three, we also had, you know, the T Rex in the original Jurassic Park, which is probably what a lot of people remember. Um, you know, the Predator, um plenty of the stuff in the thing. Um well, with the Predator, he was yeah. brought in uh, by Arnold because he worked. Yeah. Uh, Arnold knew him from Terminator, uh, and so he's the one who redesigned that after the like, initial like, crappy Predator design. Yeah, it was a uh, what was it like a bug or something? Or yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. It's like a weird bug-looking thing. Yeah, I posted a picture of it the other day. It's not good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's. It's professional grade work. It's probably the best in the industry, at least, you know, back when people still, still did practical effects like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of don't do that sort of thing anymore. Now it's all fake and unreal, unfortunately. CGI, but I guess it's getting slightly better, but I hope it doesn't become a lost art. That yeah, damn fake and unreal stuff. We also get stuff like Jurassic World or like the mm-hmm. 2011 The Thing. Where they're like, we use practical effects, but they put CGI over them, so you can't even tell. <laughs> I mean, this this guy did so much work. He put in so much effort to just the splash head in T two. Mm-hmm. Just imagine something that can only show. That's probably only going to show up for like a few seconds, but he puts us all into that sort of work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All but right. Yeah, but yeah, there's that tribute to Stan Winston. Um, yeah. So just out of curiosity, because I remember, if I remember right, that was a ranking. What was their number one? Their number one is, um, I guess, working. I don't really, actually, no, I don't think it's a ranking. It's just, it says, here's the title. 
Aliens, Predators, and Pumpkinhead. 14 of the best creature characters Stan Winston brought to life. So it's not really a ranking, but I guess what shows up first is the Queen of the Lair and She-Creature. And the very last one is... Uh, is Pumpkinhead in Pumpkinhead. So... There you go. But it shows Pumpkin some of his better number one design. <laughs> yeah. But but you have some of his more recognized stuff like the stuff in T2, Jurassic Park, Aliens, and Alien. Yeah. That's what Okay. So and just out of the Mopus, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Okay. So just out of curiosity, what is your guys' favorite Stanley creature Stanley Stan Winston creature <laughs> design? Ah man, that's hmm. That's that's hard. Um, pass for the moment. I need to think of that. <laughs> um, if we're just going creature and not movie, then I'm I'm probably gonna say uh, predator. I guess. I'm also gonna say predator. Um, but I like the xenomorph thing. I like the xenomorph design a lot, but I think the predator is like a cooler look. Well, and H.R. Geiger is the one who designed uh, that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, for the sake of choosing something different, I would say the Velociraptors, actually. Yeah. I'm tempted to say the T-Rex, but the Velociraptors are have a more, you know, consistent appearance. More consistent bite. And I I mean what I mean to say is they show up on screen a bit more, I'd say. Yeah. You, you kind of get to see the full thing, you get to see them in motion a bit more than you would say the T the T-Rex. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just real quick. Is... Oh, sorry okay. to cut you off, but Noah, we appreciate you popping in before you head off for the night. Uh, have a great night, and we like always. We appreciate having you here. Yeah. yeah absolutely, man. Bye, loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm just kidding. Have a good night, Noah. <laughs> oh, you took off the Lennon glasses. No, I'll put them on for later, but don't worry. But uh, what were you saying, Austin, before I interrupted? So I was going to have a fog machine for tonight, but I just couldn't make it work. Oh. Austin, you hurt Noah's feeling. Did I? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. So, since this isn't anything, like, big news, it's just kind of like, oh, this is happening. Uh, the people who are doing the Jeepers Creepers Reborn, which I have not heard about... Um, have you guys seen those movies? Any of those? Yeah, I've seen the first one. I haven't seen them, but I've definitely heard of them. Thank you, Red Letter Media. I've seen the first two. I heard three was really bad. Well, I um, always heard two was really bad. And now I just hear that they're all bad because the director is like a pedophile. I still like that first movie. I don't really remember the second one. Uh, I, I like the first one. I haven't seen it since I was like 13. So. Yeah. Who knows if I'll watch it again and think it's good. But uh, they have purchased the remake rights to Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, I've only seen the second one because the second Silent Night, Deadly Night is a masterpiece of uh, terribleness. <laughs> uh, but what do you guys think? Would you be interested in a remake, another remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night? Because I think they've done this before already. Yeah, yes, they have. I'm not sure what to think exactly. Um, so it's like, like certain B movies, like sure a remake could happen and it could be great, 
the most of the movies that should be remade are big movies instead of big movies in my opinion so it's good material if you have to do a remake of something at the same time who wants to watch this who asked for this yeah I mean, I mean I, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to be good or that there isn't a market for this sort of thing it's just yeah, I mean, I who really asked for, who like, five are... five of what? those movies? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Let's just can- cancel that series. It's done. <laughs> Kill it if you have to. Yeah, it's the most silent night of all. Oh. But, uh, yeah, all right, Austin, what is your news for the night? Uh, my news which I pulled straight out of my ass was that uh, they came up with uh, the Predator synopsis for Predator 5, or the plot synopsis. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, let me see if I, hold on, let me see if I can pull it up quickly. Okay. While he's doing that, I did just want to make a quick announcement as well. Uh, we are on Anchor FM, which also distributes us to Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a few other uh, networking sites. If you'd rather listen to this as a podcast, you can look us up on any of those services, and the links will be on the official Twitter account as well, uh, which is twitter.com slash horror of Haven. No, Haven of Horror. God damn it, I'm stupid tonight. <laughs> um, you said that as a joke before, and then you just hoped you'd never do it again. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so check those out if you would. We also have an Instagram, Haven of Horror. Um, I run both I run the social media, uh, mostly because Austin's too lazy to do it. No. <laughs> I'm getting called out. Throwing shade on Austin. Getting called out. Wow. See, Austin's just the one that's easy to make fun of. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's such a compliment right there. Um, but, and then also, on, as well, uh, Milton and I did a complete playthrough of Man of Madan uh, that you can check out. We also started Resident Evil 2 Remake with the Noir filter on. And Austin, if you haven't seen that filter, it's awesome. It makes it look like the Return noir, of the... Yeah. Makes yeah, it look like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's what yeah. it reminded me of. <clears throat> um, I did hear about that. I've never played it like that. It's really hard to see in some sections because of the black and white. Oh, so I just couldn't play it at all because my TV is too yeah. small. I can barely see it as is. Yeah, I'm playing. I was playing on my monitor, and like Milton can attest to this. There were certain parts like I could not see what was happening around me. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are just a few announcements to check out. Uh, I'm pretty excited about the Spotify thing. Um, Austin, you're on Spotify as well. Or is are you, Milton? Oh no, I'm gonna get canceled. Probably all the episodes with me are gonna get taken out, like the Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, or whatever. Well, our Predator one hasn't gone up yet because I'm not sure if I'm gonna put that one on there. Funny, I'd like to do a. We, yeah, funny we mentioned Alex Jones. That's that's a weird connection to what's gonna happen later. Oh no! What oh, does that yeah. mean? It's oh, foreshadowing. Yeah. It, it's it's called building up tension. Ah. You know, what you I should do in a movie. tension that turns the frickin' frogs gay. <laughs> but Austin, were you able to find the plot synopsis? 
Yes. Um, so it is about a Comanche tribe and a woman that's going against like the uh, regular gender norms of her tribe, and she's going to fight a predator. And that's all we got. That sounds like a cash grab trying to just take command of current trends. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying. I, I'm mixed because it's so early. And I don't know. I also just want this movie to be really good. But here's the thing like, a movie that has elements of that isn't necessarily going to be a good or a bad movie. It could be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the issue is, is that when that comes to the forefront, I'm immediately suspicious. No, absolutely. See, a lot of, I've heard that from a lot of people. My mind immediately went to like the original Mulan, but it probably should have went to the remake of Mulan. Yeah, we, because... we need to stop the marketing teams from writing these scripts. Yeah. No, that is true. But, uh, yeah, that's so... I'm cautiously maybe, optimistic. Actually, maybe that is what's happening. Maybe it's just the script writers are all just part of the marketing team for these movies. That could just be the case. And we don't. I wanna, we wouldn't know any wiser. We wouldn't be any wiser. I, mean. I want to see mean, the marketing team that wrote The Predators. The Predator? I'm pretty sure that was. Or The Predator. Whatever. <laughs> No, but it's got Disney marketing now, so... Well, I mean, yeah, we had, like, what was it, the marketing team that, like, arranged the music for uh, Suicide Squad or something like that? Uh, No, it was completely... uh, There were two cuts of it. One by, like, whichever editor, and one done by, like, a trailer editing company. You're right, that's what it was. Okay, some marketing, though. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. I know what you meant. Alright, so, we went over a little bit of news, uh, pretty, pretty interesting stuff, uh, in the, in the development. Yeah, there. If you like it, we'll keep doing it. Yeah, let us know if you like us throwing out some news, uh, we're still kind of experimenting, uh, with the format of the show and what we're doing, uh, we want to branch out into other mediums, of course, we've started with some video games, uh, we want to do some comics, some Hellboy, I know Austin was interested in doing that. Um, yeah, I also cool. just ordered last night some of uh, called John Carpenter's Tales from Halloween Night. It's a comic series, like an anthology. Oh, I didn't horror. know he had that. If you're able to read some of that uh, by next week, if you want to m- just mention it real briefly, uh, that'd yeah, be awesome. Sure. Um, but yeah, we're all excited about that. I, I don't know if that's going to be just the weekly Wednesday night show or if we want to leave the Wednesday night show f- just for movies and have that be its own thing that's like pre-recorded or something. Uh, we'll have to get with, with each other about that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk shop later on all that. Yeah, Good but stuff. now for the main event, something Austin has been waiting for anxiously, I'm sure, uh, just because he loves John Carpenter. It's Carpenter yeah, Month, yeah. and we are starting with the fog and you said this is the one you have uh austin yep okay so what we're gonna do is milton tell us about the fog (laughs) not to be confused with the mist yeah actually funny you should mention that for whatever reason when i first like thought of this movie i immediately confused those two fortunately i did actually see the right movie don't worry (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all watched The Fog, and you read the, like, novella, The, the Mist. <laughs> you didn't even watch the movie. 
I would do something like that, though. <laughs> if you know me, I would. Uh, okay, so um, general plot synopsis for The Fog. So, um, we open up to a scene of an old captain telling pretty much ghost stories to a gaggle of children. Um, it starts as the introduction to essentially to build tension for the rest of the story. Because, of course, when you bring up a ghost story in the beginning of a movie, naturally it's going to have some connection to the plot, of course. Um, we then go into a scene where on the water there's a fishing boat with, I think, three guys present on there. Fog comes in during the witching hour, midnight, during the 100th anniversary of the place. I forget exactly what it's called. Um, the small coastal town in California. What was it called again? Oh, Antonio Bay. Antonio, Antonio Bay. Bay, yes, of course. Antonio Bay. So, um, yes, on the 100th anniversary of Antonio Bay, I'm just going to roll it. Um, the ghost ship comes in. Men with hooks. Men with big old hooks. And they hook those guys. <laughs> and, they, and they hook them overboard. And then bring them back, apparently. It's, it's not exactly clear exactly of what exactly they did, but the point is hooks, drowning, uh, killing. You know, z- zombies on ships, essentially. Yeah, you got zombie pirates. Yeah. Um, morning of the next day, a portion of the wreckage from the Elizabeth Dane, which is the ship that, which is the ghost ship, a bit of that driftwood goes onto the beach. People go about their normal lives. Um, I'm skipping over a lot of stuff, but eventually, um, the witching hour happens again. Some people kind of piece together why it is that these pe- these zombie these zombie pirates are here. Not really pirates, but, you know, Padilla Potato, essentially. We're going to call them pirates, for simplicity's sake. No, we should call them sailors. It's even simpler. Um, Zombie sailors. Who got screwed over by the uh, founders of Antonio Bay. Because uh, the guy and their leader essentially tried to establish a leper colony on the island. um, But apparently that didn't go well with the rest of the investors. So they screwed over the sailors, got, got them killed, stole the money. Um, melted down to a cross, which is buried under the church in Antonio Bay. Um, the priest eventually figures it out, kind of takes it upon himself to sacrifice himself and return the cross once the the, go- the ghost sailors come back. And then they cut, and then the movie cops out, um, and it saves the priest, only to get him killed at the very last scene for no reason, because apparently the ghost sailors can come back just based on Carpenter's whim. I'm already spoiling how I might feel about this movie, but we'll go into someone else's opinion first, I think. <laughs> so. well, well, John, you've never seen it, so what did you think of The Fog? So, Austin can attest to this, because we've talked about different kind of horror movies even before we started the channel. Um, I am not much for the relies solely on atmosphere to propel the movie going forward, and like, yeah, there's maybe some interesting characters, but I'm there for the monsters, for the kills, stuff like that, right? Which is why I like something like Friday the 13th more than I do Halloween. Um, but I enjoyed this movie a lot. I thought the characters were really good for the most part. Um, 
the once once you actually get to the pirates in the fog, it's amazing. There's some really great makeup effects and <coughs> things like that in here. Um, I think I like this one, just to compare it to another Carpenter film, I like this one above Halloween, only lightly. But I do wish that we had spent more time with the monsters in the fog, like, attacking the town. But, yeah, I like this one. Um, it's not my favorite. It's probably middle, middle of the list of Carpenter films that I've seen. But, overall, yeah, I, I like this one. All right, Austin, since you're the carpenter aficionado. Uh, yeah, uh... well, you mentioned Halloween, and I think it definitely has that same kind of atmospheric start and middle, and then once it finally pays off, it, it really pays off, and it's just awesome. And, like, certainly there's stuff that you can, you can say doesn't make a lot of sense, like the pirates coming back at the end, but it's also awesome. <laughs> And I don't. I just. I really like that shot at the end where uh, the pirates come back and they kill that priest. But uh, no, I. I really like the thing. I think it's the thing, huh? Well, I want you like that movie, but what do you think about the fog? <laughs> God damn it! Um, the fog, the mist. <laughs> the fog. See... Two thousand five. Yeah. Anyway, so back to the witch. Um, I think. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. I feel like the fog is also around like the middle of my carpenter list, but the middle of mine isn't where John's is because I like carpenter a lot more than he does. So, I think probably overall I like it a lot more than he does, but it's still in the middle of his filmography for me. Yeah, and see, it's interesting because like the ending shot didn't bother me. That's just your typical like horror movie. The monster comes back for one last jump scare shot. I had questions about towards the kind of towards the beginning, like when Jamie Lee Curtis is picked up by that guy and like his windows all get smashed, but there's no fog anywhere. Like, what smashed his windows? <laughs> I'm trying to remember that scene, so I'm like, was there no fog? Yeah. No, there's no fog or anything. His windows just like explode. So, so maybe well, there's I like forget. a whole thing that like goes through the town that like. <laughs> so maybe I should get to uh, my my opinion of this movie. Uh oh, you <laughs> yeah, hated this movie. So um, let me be let me be very clear, of course, of how I feel about John Carpenter after watching this movie. There's a lot of stuff that he's made that has been very, very unfairly criticized. I'd almost say there's probably like something that a lot of studios have against him for whatever reason. And he's made a lot of underrated classics that definitely deserve cult followings. This movie is not one of those for me, actually. Um, and it's weird because like I watched it, maybe I missed things. I'm not sure exactly, but for me, I could see the pieces moving. I could see how things were established, and I can and I can appreciate the great effects, the fog, and the costume and makeup on, you know, the undead. I think that was really cool. Um, I like the stuff with the priest to a certain degree. Um, to a certain extent, I like the ending. I don't necessarily need John Carpenter's stuff to make sense for me. 
and I don't really need it to here. The main issue that I found was pacing. This movie is very slow. It has a very slow pacing when it's not involved into the action, of which there is very little. In fact, I might say there's about an hour of just exposition and development with characters that I don't care about at all. Which is weird, because I usually care about the characters, but the thing is, these people aren't so developed for me to care too much, unfortunately. There's one character that's get, that gets decent development, and that's the, you know, the radio announcer. At least for my opinion. But this movie, but she's not really that effectual to anything that happens, exactly. Except for this obligatory, we gotta save the kid portion. I, and I, I like to enjoy John Carpenter's stuff, but I was bored. I was really bored. In fact, I almost fell asleep. <laughs> I have to say, and I'm, and I'm sorry for those who like this film, but, um, and I was curious to say, okay, maybe I'm not in the right mood for this. And then I rewatched the thing again. I feel like I'm vindicated because that movie two years later is much better paced than mine. So. Well, that that's definitely true. Yeah. And it's just looking at those, I don't think John Carpenter does well with slower paced stuff, at least as far as my opinion on the fog is. I think he does better with a much faster pace, almost frenetic pace is usually when he's at his best. Um, like, I like They Live, but like the slowest portion that I don't enjoy as much is definitely the beginning until he starts ramping the pace up as an example of something that he's done that I think is good. Um, he just, he needs to get to the schlocky stuff. And we like the schlocky stuff. He does that really well. And he hey, I, I live really for schlock. Well. And he paces it really well. It's just the boring, the boring Bay stuff in this movie just bogs down over an hour of this movie. And it's not even an hour and a half. We get, we get some stuff here. And I like the mist idea. It's just... We need a more established main character, in my opinion. We could have made the main character the priest or something like that. That way we could have been in the thick of like figuring out what things were. We could have established that very quickly. And then we can just spend time. Sure, how about this? Let's establish a rule. During the mist, it's one hour. It's like the witching hour. Maybe time stops or something like that. And we just dedicate an entire hour, one night, to the situation. And we kill a whole lot of people or something like that. That, I think, would have made for a more interesting movie, in my opinion. I haven't seen the remake. I'd be interested. I would like to rewatch the remake. Um, because I do agree with John Carpenter, because I was looking into this a little bit, and he did say that he would like this to be remade. Now, obviously, the remake we got didn't do great. But I think this is one of the one few Carpenter films, I would say, you could remake again and improve on the material. Yeah, I, even I could agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Just, just don't pass the guy from Smallville uh, <laughs> next time. Oh God. Yeah, that's who plays the main character in that movie, the remake. Clark Kent from Smallville. <laughs> oh God! It's like the only movie I've ever seen him in, like outside well, of that if show. If you do that, we gotta have Jamie Lee Curtis and her daughter because in the original you got uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Janet Lee both in it. Henry Cavill is a sailor. How about that? Mm-hmm. 
I, I will say I liked Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie quite a bit, but I was also kind of frustrated that I didn't know anything about her other than she lived in, like, California somewhere and was a hitchhiker. We get nothing. We get freaking nothing. She's, an, she, she's an artist from California. And, like, I know it's probably just a by- byproduct of when it's when this movie was made, but she, like, jumps into that guy's car, and then, like, the next scene, they're sleeping together. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) It didn't bother me as much as I'm guessing it bothered Milton. Um, Just... just, There was just no development for it. There was just no precedent for it. Honestly, she has also apparently been in, like, 13 other people's cars. She sleeps with all them? Based on what we've seen... I see a precedent for certain actions, and now I'm wondering something, and I'm hoping I'm not sexist. But this is what the movie is showing me, so... Those were the times, what can I say? (laughs) Was this, uh, Austin, was this right after Halloween, or is this... Or is there a movie in between? I'm not sure because this is early '80s. This was like 1980. And, yeah. Yeah, it was 1980. And Halloween '78. Oh. You mean you don't have his entire filmography memorized by year? What kind of Carpenter fan are oh you? Oh my god! I almost put Wikipedia into the search bar of Wikipedia. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> oh no! I put it James Cameron. Sorry. What a guys... hack! Oh god! Sorry. Okay, bear <laughs> with me. I'm I'm tired. And I'm being dumb. <laughs> hey, awesome! Real quick, while you're searching for that, just yeah. a quick guess. Can you tell me what church that was in Antonio Bay? You what mean kind of church like... it was? Yeah. Oh, what kind of church? I'm yeah. not sure. I don't know enough about that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I was just curious to see because. I mean, you see that, maybe you think he was Catholic or something like that. Oh, is it not? No. He's a, it's an Episcopalian, which is an offshoot of Anglican, which is a derivative in style of Catholic, which oh, is okay. the church is being stupid. Yeah. I don't know anything yeah, about, I, like, I religion. Really <laughs> Ask your resident Christian here who kind of looks into church history and I'm talking. And My guess so is Scientology yeah. if it wasn't Christian. <laughs> Zenu's cross. Zenu's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zenu, he's a, he's a space pirate. Zombie. He's going to steal all your Thetans. He's the ant. No, he's worshiping the anti Zenu. And I found that uh, the fog is directly after Halloween, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because it's Halloween, the fog, and then Escape from New York, and then he kind of breaks out of that kind of slower pace, and he gets into more movies that are like that. At least he he made a good movie after Escape from New York. He was doing a double production kind of thing um, for this (laughs) and uh, Escape from New York. He was kind of doing both very closely together. Yeah, well, he's got from 1980 to 84, he has a movie every year. Because he jumped um, straight into Christine after doing the thing. I'm excited to revisit that one. Also, another side note, because I was thinking about this. 
So we had said, you know, we're skipping Halloween because we want to do that around Halloween time. We are also skipping Halloween 2 and 3, which are also Carpenter films that I always forget are Carpenter films. Well, he didn't direct those. Didn't he? Nope. Oh, then never mind. I thought he directed those <laughs> for some reason. Okay, well, never mind. My point is invalid about this one. Well, for um, years, I thought he directed Halloween 2. But, mm-hmm. uh, no, he just, he writes it. Oh, okay. Okay, interesting. Um, and it's very much a, I don't care about this idea anymore type script. <laughs> well, I've always wondered why he didn't just do the anthology thing with two, because I think if he'd done that, it would have went much better for him. No, that is true. It's like, you make the third one an anthology, I mean, people are going to be confused. Like, mm-hmm. But alas, uh, to get back on track, another thing I noticed in this movie is there's a lot of fun Easter eggs to other like Carpenter things. Like, one of the characters' names is Nick Castle, um, mm-hmm. who, if you guys don't know, co-wrote Escape from New York, I think, mm-hmm. and was Michael Myers, at least one of the Michael Myers in Halloween. Well, he's the main one that's credited as the shape, yeah. And he gets one scene in 2018. Yeah, but there's there was a few other references. I can't remember them now, but they're on Wikipedia uh, of him naming characters after different things that he'd worked been worked with or doing. Uh, so I thought that was cool. I, I like when authors do that or writers, because obviously this is written by Carpenter and Deborah Hill. And Deborah Hill. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can definitely recognize this good stuff in this movie. Certainly. It's just, I feel like it was few and far between personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will try to hunt down that remake and watch it just to see how it compares. Um, well, Austin, Carpenter did work on the remake. He walked he showed up one day. He left. Uh, <laughs> he said, I'll get my copy. It's nice to see you all. Goodbye. I gotta make some music. Yep. And the entire time he was like... <laughs> it's like, screw Universal. I hate them. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see that. I might I might post... Uh, if you guys follow Haven of Horror on Instagram, if I do manage to watch that remake, I will post a letterbox review on there. We probably won't cover it on the show, at least not for a while if we ever do. I don't know where we'd fit it in. Um, but yeah, so Austin, anything else to say about The Fog? It's a very, very simple, kind of direct-to-the-point movie. No, I, I got nothing. <laughs> what about you, Milton? The, uh, the score is amazing. I love the score of this movie. Yeah, I'm glad you... The score is fine for when it's there. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, because uh, this actually has one of my new favorite Carpenter tracks. Um... I can't remember the name now. I was just listening to it, but it's got this kind of like industrial synth sound to it. And I really dug it. Um, and I'm kind of mixed on Carpenter's scores in his movies. I think they work better for something like this or like Halloween. Um, not to keep bringing this up, but it's my go-to example of when a score isn't working. It does not work for escape from New York. I think that score is chunk of what I don't like about that movie. It just doesn't fit with the movie he's going for. Um, again, just my opinion. But I think this is one of his better soundtracks from what I've heard. Um, 
I haven't really, I don't usually pay attention to soundtracks in films, but I do want to try starting doing that, like when we're going through at least Carpenter's movies, because obviously he composes a lot of them. Yeah, but he didn't compose our the soundtrack for our next film. Yeah. Hold your horses. You like that. All oh, right, Austin. Perfect segue, though. I know. That's why I don't know why you jumped the gun, Milton. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We got a rank. We need. We need to get. We need to get some arbitrary numbers here. Yeah. Uh, Out of five, and would you watch it again? I don't want to be too cruel to this movie because, objectively speaking, it does things better than a lot of mediocre movies. At the same time, sometimes the pacing just really kills the experience for me. Maybe if I watched it again with somebody else, maybe then they could show me why it is like this movie. Then I can see those things, and then I probably enjoy it a bit more. But for a solo viewing for this first time, I hate to give it the score, but I'm going to. 2.25 out of 5. Would not rewatch unless I was doing it with someone else. And I would and I would watch it with someone else. Just not by my own choice. Okay. And Austin, mm-hmm. out of five, would you watch it again? I would say probably a three, three point five. And would you watch it again? Uh, No, (laughs) no, I'd I'd watch it again. Okay, I'm gonna give this a three point five out of five. I would watch it again, preferably with friends. Uh, but I would I watch this again. John and I have the same score. Normally it's Milton and I. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a weird situation we got here. Yeah. This is and... probably also the lowest average reviewed movie we've had since the Bye Bye Man. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's the <laughs> Bye Bye Man. Well, no, I gave that a 9 out of 5, so that's still our highest. <laughs> oh, dang it, you're right. Shoot. <laughs> All right. So, now for the moment Austin has impatiently been waiting for. The Thing. Austin, tell us about John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, the Thing is one of the greatest films of all time. Drop the mic. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. Anyway. Okay, so for anybody who's not aware, and if you haven't seen this movie, you really should. Uh, this is about a team of scientists down in the Antarctic who discover the, a creature in the ice. Um, what's uh, a Norwegian uh, camp finds it, an American an American camp. Are you sure they're not uh, Swedish? To them. No, they're Swedish? Norwegian. You sure? I thought they were Norwegian. No, I'm I'm... That, that that's one of the jokes oh. in the movie, actually. Oh, the... <laughs> how did you <laughs> fall for that? On? <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna hang up. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so a Norwegian team finds the finds this creature. And this American team go finds what's left. Uh, and you find out it is a creature. We are never given any kind of name for it. Hence the title, the thing. And it soon, I guess, shapeshifts is the kind of the word for it. Uh, but basically, after a while, it becomes hard to tell who's, hu- who's who, who's the thing, who's human. And paranoia, lack of sleep starts to set in. Also, some of the best special effects of any movie I have ever seen. Austin, what do you think of the thing? Uh, So, when I was a kid, 
um, I lived with my mom and her roommate, and I remember he had, you know, those like old, um, just kind of like stands for like movies. It wasn't like a big one, just kind of like a little like mm-hmm. uh, stand. You'd have different movies, and the big one at the top was the thing. And I just remember looking at that poster, the same one that you have on that Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, and I just remember being mesmerized by that poster as a kid because it was like, whoa, like, what the heck is that? That looks so cool. Well, and, and then... I prefer this one because uh, this is the Scream Factory one. I've not, I'm not a yeah, big fan of like the Blu-ray than I do. I'm not a big fan of their alternate artwork. I don't know. It's it's fine, but oh, like, yeah. I prefer the. I guess the original poster. Yeah. Yeah, when I finally got to see it, it completely even blew past my expectations that built up as a kid just by looking at that poster. And (laughs) I remember watching that scene with the dog where they bring the dog into like the kennel with all the other dogs and its face split like peels open like a banana and its like skull falls out. And I, I was laying in bed, and I just sat up, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Bananas, I would say. Yeah, it was right. completely bananas. <laughs> All right, well, Milton, what do you think of the thing? So, uh, John, on the last frame I had, I misspoke. Um, they Live is not my favorite horror film. This is. Drop the mic. (laughs) No, uh, but honestly, um, just to expound on it, the reasons you have here, it's this movie is, as I said before, in comparison to The Fog, much better paced. John Carpenter does very well with frenetic pacing. Um, This movie is like one of those, one of those rare movies where ambiguity actually enhances the product. And the fact that John Carpenter knew that, especially with his choosing of the ending, definitely shows he knew what he knew what he was doing. You have the you have some of the best like special effects work in the industry. Um, this the selection of location is fantastic for the sort of story that you want to tell. The cast is well balanced for what it's supposed to be. Everyone does their parts really well. Um, you got you got Kurt Russell and Keith David. That's an excellent pairing already, right there. Not to mention all the other. Yeah, add a little bit well. of diabetes, and you got a perfect <laughs> cast. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody does their jobs really well, and plus, like, you know, the Norwegian dialogue isn't. Uh, this movie, I think, is enhanced upon a second viewing too, as someone who's watched it twice. Um, because then the experience is very different, but then you get to see all the things, but it doesn't detract from it. It's not boring because you still want to study it. And you, and now, you know, from the beginning, oh yeah, no, I want the, I want that Norwegian guy to kill that dog, which is not something you would wish for in the first viewing because that wouldn't make any sense to you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, this movie knows how to manipulate you. It knows how to make things seem a certain way at first and then completely, you know, turn itself on a dime. But you follow it completely. I say. Yeah, well, that's what you want, like, with this yeah. premise, right? Because that's, yeah. that's what the thing is, yeah. yeah. So this movie is my go-to definition of 
I didn't watch it because everybody told me how good it was. Uh, and then I finally oh, watched that's it. Right. Yeah, when we first met, you'd never seen this movie. Never seen it. And I was like, watch it, you <laughs> asshole. Hey, to be fair, I never watched it as a kid either. I watched it because someone told me that it was great, and I watched it years before. And yeah, yeah. By the time I finally watched it, I was probably like, I 17. felt like I had been deprived of of a treasure. Yeah. So and let then, me just say yeah. thanks, Dad, because my dad is the one who showed me most of the, like the horror movies that I like. Thanks for never showing me this one, because um, <laughs> I'd never heard of this until I was already an adult. And by then, everybody was like, "Oh, you need to see it. It's a masterpiece." And I'm like, eh, "I don't, I don't like seeing things that people tell me are masterpieces." So I just kind of kept putting it off and off. It's like Mr. T just shakes you. It's like I gotta shake some sense into you. I gotta shake some sense into you. Kid. And then finally, Austin was like, "What are you doing? Just watch it." And I was like, "Oh, fine." Yeah, I was, I was literally like, "How are you? This like ultimate horror guy? You've never seen the thing. Get on it, sir." <laughs> well, and and I tr- I tend to trust Austin's opinion because for the most part we have a lot in t- common movie wise, um, at least in in horror, you know. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I I'll rent it. I'll watch it. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> like this was incredible. Um, just to put it in perspective, this is my second favorite Carpenter film. Um, it's mine as well. The first one being In the Mouth of Madness. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> and yet he won't watch anime. Like that's what really he loves Big well, Trouble in Little like China. I won't watch anime. I've an just an... never watched anime. There's some anime horror stuff. At some point, we'll get to that. I'll get some recommendations in the queue. Well, I've read some like Jinji Ito. I know that's not anime, but like I've read uh, manga or uh, Jinji Ito. Yeah. Um. Oh, but yeah, yeah this... but there's, there's that. But there's other stuff too. And especially, and especially with this rewatch, this is my third or fourth watch of this film. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of in the middle between Austin, who's watched this probably countless times, and Milton, who's seen it twice. Yeah, yeah, right. I watch it. I watch it on a yearly basis at a police station. But I, I think how they do in real life, actually. I think I would even say that this is probably in my top ten of horror now. Um, yeah. I. I love all the, I love all the main performances. Some of the like minor characters that are just there to get killed off or whatever, but like uh Kurt Russell, this is probably my favorite Kurt Russell movie. Uh Keith David is great. And and Fuck You Too is one of the greatest just like ending one liners of any movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck you too. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Russell's got some good classics. I I mean, I can't say I'm it's sure. my I'm... favorite Kurt Russell movie because I I like Big Trouble in Little China more. But you're just wrong, Austin. <laughs> I'm done with it because there's a lot of good stuff that I've seen with him over the years. So, uh... Oh, he's he, I love Kurt Russell. He's awesome. Point yeah, he's is, great. Point is, he's great in this movie anyway. So yeah, don't get no, on, on that point. <laughs> and he wants the flamethrower. Yeah. He wants the what? Mac wants the what? (laughs) Um, But I love this, like, it's, like Milton said, it's really well paced, but it's also just like a descent into paranoia and, like, insanity. Perfect perfect film for right now. Yeah. It's the ultimate 2020 Christmas film. (laughs) 
it's winter <laughs> and it's like you're like this person next to me is infected burn him i didn't get it at first but now i do so okay so oh um God. Okay, so now now that I've stolen the floor from someone, it seems. Uh, okay, so <laughs> apparently, um, I'm gonna get your opinion on this. How would you describe this film as nihilistic? That's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. Um, maybe the ending. I think definitely is. I'm leaning more so towards yes because. Let's be honest, this is a fight that our main characters cannot win. Like, although, and this isn't necessarily a problem for me because I like the movie so much, but I wish that he, Carpenter, had, like, set some rules for this thing. Because I swear they kill it, like, three times and it doesn't, like, stick. So is it all the same creature or is there multiple creatures? Well, I think the thing is kind of the perfect representation of a Lovecraftian creature on film. Yeah. In that you can never really tell what exactly it is. It's kind of just above and beyond what we can imagine. And even to the point where every time you look at it, it's not the same thing. Which is something you can't really grasp with the regular um, Lovecraftian creatures when you adapt them onto film. Carpenter himself said he took Lovecraft inspiration, so I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. Oh, too of early. Uh, And once my... we get to in the mouth or in the in the mouth, in the of, mouth madness, of madness, <laughs> that's, that's also very Lovecraft. Yeah. yeah, I never thought about it that way. Like I said, it didn't bother me because I still like the movie, but I think that actually makes me like it a little bit more. Um, being so Lovecraftian. I really need to read some of his stuff because, like, everything that borrows from him, I end up liking. Uh, I can't wait to show you Reanimator. Yeah, just don't look up the name of uh, Lovecraft's cat. Uh, just don't do that. Oh, no. <laughs> um, John doesn't but, need to but... look it up. It's the name of his dog. Oh. What? Right. I don't even have a dog. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. It got canceled. Oh. <laughs> But uh, for, for myself personally, apparently a lot of critics have said that this film is nihilistic. I actually highly disagree. It's pessimistic to a certain degree, but I think a lot of people conflate pessimism with nihilism sometimes. Because I do think that there are certain values that hold very true, that are actually very positive values. And because of that, I can't literally describe this film as nihilistic. Some could maybe argue relative nihilism, but honestly, you have virtues of that self-sacrifice is a worthy cause for, you know, preserving the lives of other people. You definitely have that going for them. And, like, even though it's hopeless, it's still worth the fight, I think. There is value to human life, and there's value to humanity. Um, because these are themes that constantly go throughout the whole film and what inform our emotions throughout the viewing of it. No one's rooting for the thing, you know, unless you like really hate these people. But you know, that's that's a different sort of mentality that I'm not sure I can identify with particularly. Just no, because we, uh, the, the effects are really so good. Because yeah, hmm. 
but I mean, some say the ending is that way, but I feel like that's that's because, well, despite the fact that we may never be sure exactly. Well, at the same time, I know with the production that apparently there were a few alternate endings where, um, you know, um, Kurt Russell's character is actually, you know, you know, he's up and up, and probably so is uh, Keith David's character, Childs, uh, McCready and Childs. They're actually okay. Um, but well, I've always looked at the ending that uh, they're okay, but there's no way they're getting out of there, so they're both going to die. True, but that doesn't necessarily. I wouldn't say that it turns into nihilism. I would just say that yeah. they're sac- self-sacrificial heroes. Yeah. yeah. Just to cut in for a minute, uh, Josh, I have also heard Reanimator is not very close uh, to the original story. I've read a bit of that, and I thought it was okay, but I do like that movie quite a bit. Um, and I know Austin's never seen it. I'm guessing Milton, you haven't seen it either. I know of it, and I actually, I'm not sure if I want to watch it, honestly, but I know of it. Well, guess what we're doing after Carpenter Month, boys? Uh, Okay, sure. All right. Are we going to do a double feature of the fly and the blob? (laughs) No, we're going to do a double feature of Reanimator and From Beyond. Oh boy. I, I say the fly and the blob after doing the thing because those are like probably the three best uh, 80s remakes of like 50s. We will movies. do the blob and the fly at some point because those are two yeah. I haven't seen yet. Yeah, we should. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I do want to show you guys the those two because the Reanimator and From Beyond are, are I think loosely adapting Lovecraft stuff. Um. But yeah, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to address that comment real quick. No, it's fine. It's a it's a good thing to bring up that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah. we got into it a little bit as well. Oh, I thought you'd lost your trail of thought. My bad. No. Well, I mean, we could go into another thing that I made. For well, I'll hold hold off on that for for a few minutes. Right. We t- oh, uh, on your pie chart. You shut up. So we, Austin, you mentioned it briefly, but uh, obviously the ending is a very open-ended one. Like it's open to. Oh, please tell me you're not going to bring up the game. <laughs> no, I I don't know anything about the game other than it's a sequel. I'll leave that to Milton. <laughs> when McCready comes back in his helicopter. <laughs> but I was going to ask you guys, and Austin, you briefly touched on it. What is your personal interpretation of the way this movie ends? Well, I, I went with mine, so I'll let you guys go. If I'll say, taking the ending literally, the fact is either one of them or both of them, apparently it's there's a potential that both of them could be that way. Um, be the thing. Or neither, or either one. Um, I don't really think it matter. It does matter, but it doesn't matter that it's answered. Is how I look at it. Yeah, it doesn't feel cheap as an ending. No, it doesn't. And I normally hate open-ended things like this. there could also be a possibility that the things don't know each other. Especially if they grow up as separate organisms. They themselves might not even know that each other could be, you know, together. That is a possibility, too. It's just looking at these possibilities allows for future reviewings and I think for a more enriched viewing mm-hmm, for sure. just being able to consider all the possibilities 
it's like playing an Among Us game, in a way. Kind of. Among Us. And so giving reference to that game because I guess I got it because you know it's, it's just a thing. So, yeah. Um, well, well, I think too, to a certain degree. But, I mean, it's probably a closer uh, the thing game than the actual the thing game. <laughs> so I I personally kind of lean towards Childs as the thing, just because I don't buy that he went missing for the period of time he did in the movie and isn't like taken by this creature. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because they're both dead. Like, you're not getting out of there. I would wonder why he brings a flamethrower with him, though. To blend in? I don't know. But what, what what would be the point if he's just going to talk to McCready? He might as well just kill him out of spite. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that if... One ha, of them that's the thing... thing it could easily just kill the other person. Mm-hmm. It could be. Maybe the things don't necessarily have a mutual pact either. Who knows? We don't know the, the nature of these creatures. We're not supposed to. Well, and I think we'll get more into it next week. I don't remember what the movies are for next week, but this is obviously the other thing to bring up is this is in what has been called the uh, Apocalypse Trilogy by John Carpenter. Um. And both of his other movies in this trilogy have kind of a like bleak ending that hint, that kind of hints that the creature is going to take over. And I think that this movie, the only way this movie really, bleh, I think g- going with the idea that Childs is the thing fits in thematically with the other two films of this trilogy. It's like the Cornetto trilogy, right? Like, it's just, these films are similar, so we lumped them together, and, like, the director has said that they're connected thematically, so he's calling it a trilogy. Um, what is your guys' personal favorite special effect in this film? Oh, I like, have to choose one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hard question. Hmm. Okay, well, you guys are thinking I'll go with mine. I, I don't have... Uh, this isn't my top one, but this was just an effect I was going to mention, which is when they're doing the blood test, when Kurt Russell is, you know, like, zapping the thing, the blood, but we're talking about the thing, and every single one of us just keeps saying the thing. <laughs> Anyways. Um... You know, he keeps zapping the blood, and it's like, you know, he zaps it, it's fine, zaps it, it's fine, zaps it, and it, like, shoots out, right? Um, the entire thing, the entire time, every time you show it shows his hand, it's a prop hand. And the reason why is because for when the when the thing jumps out of the blood, they have to... Sorry, the thing just popped up on my computer. Crap. It's taken over. Okay, we're good. Um, it was like I think there was like a hole and they like pushed the thing through the tube like a tube and then it shot out and Carpenter was like well if it's his hand the first two times when you get to the third time and you see it's a prop hand your mind's gonna go well his hand looks different so obviously there's gonna be a scare so he uses the prop hand for the first two shots when nothing happens so you never have that moment where you stop and think his hand looks different now 
And I think that's just a really clever use of uh, your effects to blend it in. I agree. That's, that's actually that's pretty well reasoned. Uh, Josh says uh, that the dog is his, you know, bananas. Oh, absolutely. The dog is amazing. And you get, like, yeah. the tentacles coming out wrapping around the other dogs. Yeah. Like, that's right. terrifying. I think I have mine. So, um, a bit a bit of a, you know, a prelude to what I'm going to say here. So, um, when I watched The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly um, by Sergio Leone with uh, Clint Eastwood, he taught me and I looked at the back of the box as a kid with this, and he taught me that a lot of the times, especially in lower-budget films, if you're going to blow up a bridge, you can only do it once. So, all the praise that I can get, I can gush on about the praise of the other effects in this movie from here till whenever we decide to end this podcast because of some tragic occurrence or whatever. But the point is... That explosion that destroyed the base, that could only happen once. And the fact that it works and it goes off really well in a in a grand fashion is definitely worth some praise. And I think it might be my favorite because it takes a lot of effort to do that and there's a lot of risk involved just by even wanting to attempt to do something like that. And if anything goes wrong, then you've screwed yourself over in your budget and you can't do it again. Yeah, you can't reshoot any of that stuff. No. Absolutely. Mine is the uh, scene where the guy's got, like, the electric paddles, and he, like, goes down to... And it opens. opens. I've seen this three times. That is the only shot that freaks me out, even on my third shot, or third (laughs) viewing, just because, like, I don't know, but it's like, ugh. Yeah, I guess we do, actually. Yeah. It's so good. Oh, yeah, the first time, it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> that that alien just kept getting pissed off that he kept getting tased. It's like, no, stop! I'm done with you. Um, well, and that's the part where the head like stretches back, right? Yeah, and uh, that was done with bubble gum, apparently. Really? Like the the neck stretching? Yeah, they. I think it's like bubble gum, and they like blew air dryers on it, and it made it like stretch out. Interesting. Um, also just want to give a shout out to the scene where they corner the guy that's supposed to be the thing at the time, and he just, like, looks at them and lets out that inhuman sound. Whatever sound they used for that is perfectly creepy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is just a, it's such a well-made movie. It's so well, that's, that screams kind of reminiscent of, um... Uh, uh, invasion of the Body Snatchers, isn't it, with Donald Sutherland? Hmm. I have to see it. I haven't, I seen, haven't it. seen that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a. a Josh I've says it is. Seen the whole movie. Hmm. Yeah, it's okay. a very just like horrific uh, screech noise. And you can't talk about the thing without talking about the greatest freakout of all time, when Wilfred Brimley goes nuts <laughs> and starts like trash in the room with his gun. He's great in this movie. Upon reviewing that scene, is actually very sad for me because it's like it's him coming to terms with the fact that he's not getting out of there, and he's trying to do his best to save everyone in that scene, mm-hmm. while still trying to keep his composure as much as he can, considering he knows he's doomed. 
Josh wants to know if you're talking about this. What's that? Josh wants to know if you're talking about the '70s remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I I think so because it's uh, it's one with Donald Sutherland. I'm pretty sure it's the remake. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we all know Donald Sutherland was like as old as like the '50s or something, the '40s. I'm not sure which <laughs> when the original one was. Made. Yeah, I could look it up. Yeah. Um, but uh, as you were saying, with like how sad it is with him. Like later on, where they go into the room that they locked him up, and there's just like a noose hanging in the background. <laughs> well, and, and I they think never there's... really draw attention to it. It's just there. Yeah. Well, I think there's kind of an air of almost tragedy to this whole movie, just because like these are all really likable people, and they're in a situation that's just like impossible to yeah. uh, comprehend. Wolford Brimley is my hero. Oh, my diabetic hero. Yeah, and fuck you too. (laughs) Speaking of that, Russell was like the greatest intro ever where he's just playing chess and he's just like, you cheating bitch. (laughs) Dumps his drink into the circuit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know the situation because, like, the greatest chess master can be beaten by a robot who understands your moves before you make them. Mm-hmm. It's a good prelude to the situation that they're going to be facing. Yeah, absolutely. So the best and, thing uh, you can do is don't play to win, play to steal, mate. What were you going to say about the machine, Austin? Dump your drink. Oh, no, I was going to say, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, the director of the original, uh, The Thing from Another World, called this movie nothing but a, uh, what is it, like a commercial for Jack Daniels? <laughs> Did he only watch that one scene? <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, because that's like, yeah, you watch that one scene. I guess it was like, oh, product placement. <laughs> well, it's like I haven't seen the original movie outside of just clips, but it's not like you made high art there, buddy. Like, you made him into a plant monster or some shit. Well, it's very reminiscent of, like, Frankenstein, just the design. Yep. It's probably very derivative, considering when the film was made, when Frankenstein was released as a movie. A movie being derivative? No. No, 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 no. no. A B-movie being derivative. (laughs) Uh, I'm only going to touch on the remake slash prequel briefly, just to say, if you're not interested, you don't need to see it. Uh, I don't hate it like Austin does. Uh, I don't hate it like Austin does. I think it's fine. Um, a lot of that is I like some of the actors in it more than I like the material itself. Uh, it's just that day we'll never see the un-CGI'd version. Because there's obviously some cool like ideas in that film about like... Uh, okay, so the biggest yeah. issue with the 2011 prequel is that you know, in this movie, there's a lot of, you know, gaps kind of between each big uh, the thing, like, fight scene. Like, obviously not huge. We're still moving forward constantly. But in the prequel, it's literally, like, one person will be like, you're the thing. And then it'll just, like, explode into a vicious monster. And it's, like, CGI action. And it's just, we never stop. It's just that over and over again. 
And the second somebody points out the thing, it just snaps like that and goes nuts. <laughs> and it just doesn't have uh, the atmosphere that this movie does. Yeah, so if you're just in for like, if you're just looking for something to pass uh, an hour and a half, it's fine. I'd, I'd give the remake maybe like a 2.5 or 3 out of 5. But then you should just watch the original thing anyway. But watch the original first. Absolutely. No, no, I'm sorry. Not the original. The, the first or remake. The like, John Carpenter remake. Only watch the original. Don't watch the prequel nonsense. And don't watch that Jack Daniels commercial. <laughs> so, Milton, you said you had something to show us oh. on the computer course so i am very I, scared <laughs> i went down a rabbit hole oh, no. quite a rabbit hole because i like to make Best my research thorough so i'm just gonna load this up real quick no 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 not that uh, so i'm gonna just share my screen and then show this. <laughs> Work a race? That's my favorite part. What the hell? <laughs> oh my god, it's a conspiracy carpenter. <laughs> what? You got the fucking game. <laughs> so, oh my uh, god, I... the George Lucas in the top. <laughs> Yeah, but my uh, my Photoshop work is. Oh my god, this is brilliant. Yeah. So um, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I want to take it. I want to take a different format. Um, but basically, of course, we have the 1982, apparently the worst movie ever. Question mark from Cine Fantastique. What what webzine is that? Who knows? Who cares? It's not around anymore. Good Hopefully they're dead. They probably are. Um, <laughs> we, of course, have John Carpenter right here, of course. Um, so, boy, yeah, yeah. yeah, we have the 2002 th- The Thing, the game, uh, Peggy 18, at least in 2002 here. Um, orig- there were plans originally for a GameCube or a Game Boy release, but apparently that got shelved. No te- Nintendo pushed out. Hmm? Um, so, and this movie, although it got pretty decent box office returns, was uh, bombed by critics. Um, it was completely so, destroyed, yeah. yeah. But VHS video kind of restored it to its proper place to a certain degree. Um... 1992 Dark Horse Comics decides to release some new comics. You have this one by, uh, I think his name is Pfeiffer, or something like that. That's this guy right here. And this guy says, because John Carpenter was burned by the critics, says, okay, this guy's actually made a worthy sequel to the movie here. This one, Climate of Fear. And then the following year, two other comics were released, and then that's it from that. There's that. But this one apparently is decent. Apparently. I don't know if I'd ever want a sequel to the thing, but you know, I guess if it had to be, it's this one, because it gets to this guy's approval. I'd like to read that. Um, we get the original The Thing, The Thing from Another World. Um, it's terrible. Don't watch it. You know, <laughs> Jack Daniels commercial. The, the nerd of this man. 
Um, McFarland Toys <laughs> made its made its own made its own thing here. Um, the Sci-Fi Channel apparently was going to have like a four-hour miniseries in two thousand five. That got canceled. Oh wow! Universal, I didn't know about that. Universal canned that thing. What don't they want us to know? Why don't? Why didn't they want the Sci-Fi Channel? Because apparently Blumhouse made an announcement in twenty twenty saying that there was going to be a remake. Oh, at some God, point. Yeah. So apparently uh, Blumhouse called the Sci-Fi Channel. Why? What's going on here? They also got a 2011. Is it a prequel or is it a reboot? Who knows? The casting is suspiciously similar. What are they trying to say? <laughs> Remakes? Sequels? Why did my work get erased in the middle of making this and I had to make it all over again? <laughs> Day Ghost? Foreshadowing? Are you assimilated? Are you real? I have no idea. Who is the heir to the franchise? Should there be a franchise? No. All to say. All to say. This is a conspiracy against Carpenter. And I will get to the bottom of this. And I will figure out who is responsible. It's <laughs> this freaking thing here. Whatever this is. I don't know what it says, but it's weird and it's and it's creepy and I don't like it. Oh my god. Uh, Josh says he liked the original and then frowned. I've oh my god! The original, so that was no that was a trip down a rabbit hole. I never want to revisit. Um, I want to revisit it right now. But I would like to try to get my hands on some of this comics. That seems interesting. I'm just gonna. Ins- I think we should just Instagram a lot of these spreadsheet things that I make and just <laughs> just post them to the chat as well. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, after that, uh, uh, there was the question about should this be a franchise, and the answer is no. No. (laughs) So I am very rarely against a remake because I am always interested to see what another filmmaker can do with a premise. This is one of those movies I don't need another one. Did you finally turn around and agree with me that you don't want the Blumhouse remake? I don't want it, but I'll watch it. Is kind of where I'm at now. Um. Yeah, I mean, after this I'm last glad watch, it's at least not the Halloween 2018 thing, but for the uh, the, the thing. thing. No, I want old man Kurt Russell like to come back, and I want his first doing part of the thing. I want I want old man Kurt Russell to show up, and his first line of dialogue is "Yeah, and fuck you too." No, I want him to also be the chaos theorist in the movie. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm. How am I I'm. Alive? It makes no sense. I'm a bigger fan of Blumhouse than I think. If I, if I may, uh, say this, I think I'm a bigger fan of Blumhouse than you are, Austin. Just overall, I like a lot of their kind of schlocky, stupid movies. They're not like high art or anything, but it's a waste but of an I don't hour and a half. A schlocky, stupid version of the thing. No. No, but. <laughs> Their, I'm... their big thing that they said was that it was going to be more of a readaptation of the book, but I don't believe them. <laughs> it's just going to be the Carpenter movie. <laughs> so I have faith in them, but I am leaning more towards this is the one project I'm not as excited for. Uh, just because I don't need another readaptation. We have the perfect film for this. Just the perfect film, yeah. I don't need, like, the thing number 607. 
Just somebody give Blumhouse Friday the 13th, for the love of God, I'm begging you. And it's not, the remake's not going to look as good as this movie is. <laughs> no. 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 But I will say I am cautiously optimistic because Carpenter is at least somewhat involved. I know that means probably he showed up to set one day and like said, yeah, whatever, and left. But he was also somewhat well, involved depends, with Halloween. Halloween. He was more... He did the music. I don't know how involved he was just in general. He probably wasn't. <laughs> like, I know the fog is at least a different situation because he was more involved and then Deborah Hill died and he was like, fuck this, I'm out. So, yeah. I, if I he's at least as involved as he was with Halloween, thing. and if you get somebody who loves that original movie, because I think that's what makes 2018 work, is they got people who are fans of that original film. Um, but see, that's the thing. God damn it. God damn it. About, about Halloween 2018, though, is that you just had people that were like, I want to make a new Halloween. Let's do this. While this is Blumhouse saying, let's do the let's do the thing again. Yeah, that's true. Somebody making it will come later. But we're going to do a new the thing. Because we like money. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's not... I will at least say this. At least it's, it's not why universal. I'm the nightmare remake too. They're doing a nightmare remake. Remember, I don't like it's. They're talking about it. Remember, <laughs> um, they want to do a nightmare remake, and Elijah Wood wants to produce the nightmare remake. Okay, but here's the thing with that: they and want said, to do it. I would rather have the Elijah Wood one because it sounds like he wants to make something, while Blumhouse is like, "Let's make money." <laughs> See, they want to. And I would want, I kind of would want them to just to see what they do. But from my understanding, with those, the Craven Estate has the the rights to that franchise now. So the oh, only yeah, way they Blumhouse, the right. they, both of those, just want to make a movie. I'm just saying, I'm against. I would rather the Elijah Wood movie be made. Well, hold on, I didn't finish my thought there, Austin. Jeez. Have no original ideas, or no, they do have original ideas. They just suck currently. They release plenty of ones that are of any quality or make money. Um, (laughs) but if Blumhouse gets it, that means they either offered up enough money and they believe it's going to be worth it, or they had an idea to win over the Craven Estate, and. I don't know. I feel like the Craven and Estate the would. Idea was we like money. Do you like <laughs> money? And the Cravens were like, we like money. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just optimistic. But Blumhouse, at least they're trying stuff, you know. Like I said, I like Blumhouse when it's that somebody comes to them and is like, I have this idea that I want to do. I don't like them when they go, let's make this thing. <laughs> Hey, I'm just saying Whoever's Truth or Dare was really funny. <laughs> Truth or Dare was really funny. Have you seen uh have you seen that Fantasy Island movie? That one was really funny too. Oh, I hated Fantasy Island. It was terrible. Really? I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I didn't say it was good, I said it was funny. <laughs> I mean I guess, but it was also just like bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think part of the reason with the thing with Blumhouse too is like it's just a break from the god awful Conjuring movies because it feels like we either get the Blumhouse schlock or we get the Conjuring shit. 
And I hate those Conjuring movies. Like, they're so boring. Both of them are just... Shove shit out out here. It'll make us money. Yeah, but one's entertaining, one's not. So... (laughs) Apparently it doesn't matter. They get money anyway. But anyway, we are very off topic. So, Milton, do you have any last thoughts besides that whole diagram of... We will find Insanity. Out the truth. We will find out the truth one day. We will uncover the <laughs> obey. Blumhouse wants us to obey. Uh, Austin, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts about the thing? John, you're gonna wake up and see you're having sex with an alien. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> I will say The Thing is a masterpiece. If you haven't seen it, you really should. Or if you just haven't seen it in the last few years, revisit it. Uh, It's one of John Carpenter's absolute best films and definitely worth your time. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5, and I will definitely watch it again. Austin, what is your rating, and would you watch it again? Uh, 5 out of 5, sir. And I'm probably going to watch it right now. No, All right, I, I love this movie. What is your rating? And if it's not five out of five, you're fired. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a two point three five eight seven six. So um, I've been thinking about it a lot, and I said to myself, I was never going to give a five out of five to a film unless it was something really, really special. This is that film. Five out of five. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this the first unanimous like review we've given a movie? Yep. And it's All the thing, say, so of course. Watch the thing. Watch this movie. You'll probably enjoy it. And if you don't... Obey, well, watch. <laughs> okay, so, Austin, what is our two movies for next week? It is... Let me just make sure before I say this. Because in case you get it wrong, so it's Christine and Prince of Darkness. Okay, I it's gonna be interesting because I haven't seen Prince of Darkness, and Christine is a very the character stuff's not great. It's very rushed compared to the book, but everything with like well, I'll save the, that for next that week. Awesome. Way to review it a week early. I'm no, um, everyone. This is going to be interesting because I've only seen Prince of Darkness one time and I did not like it. Uh, but I'm interested to give it another shot, see how I like it. And then Christine, yeah, that'll be interesting because I've only seen it once. And I watched that before I was really familiar with like Carpenter's style, I guess is the word. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so Prince well, of Darkness. I it right after finishing the book. I, Windows, have not watched either of these movies, but I'm looking forward to them. Prince of Darkness and Christine next week. Uh, in the meantime, Sunday, if you guys are available, I'm going to do another gaming stream, uh, depending on what, who's there. If Austin is there, we'll do some Predator or some RE5. Austin, if we do the Predator, maybe we'll do like a Predator discussion just while we're playing and just chat about our favorite Predator things or something. Um, yeah. If not, Nick, Milton, uh, whoever... <laughs> We will the thing. The thing. We will make uh, some more progress on Resident Evil Two. Oh my God! It's Zoidberg. 
Hey, hey, Milton, and fuck you too. Get the flamethrower. Get the what? <laughs> Do it, one house. Do it. Um, but yeah, if you guys haven't seen our previous gaming videos, like I said, we did a playthrough of Man of Medan or Man of Medan, if you're uh, Austin. <laughs> uh, we also did a. We started Resident Evil 2. I was kind of showing Milton the game with the filter. It was really interesting and kind of difficult in places. We haven't even gotten to the best part in that game, Austin. You know what I'm talking about, right? Wait, when did you guys finish? Uh, right after the first boss. Oh, so you didn't even get very far. No, but it was already like an hour and a half in, and because, like I said, I couldn't see in places. Can you beat that game in an hour and a half. I can beat RE three in an hour and a half. Well, it's much shorter. But yeah. I remember looking into like how you get like infinite ammo guns, and it was like you gotta <laughs> like to get the infinite uh, rocket launcher. You got to beat the game in an hour and a half. Just I'm just like, not how that the good. Hell does anybody manage that? I am not good at that. I am not good enough at that game to do that. You can also pay money to unlock all those things, Austin. Don't worry. Which I definitely did not do. But anyways, moving on. But yeah, uh, so that has been episode seven of Haven of Horror. I don't know about you guys, but I had a lot of fun. Uh, it was really, it was really cool to finally have. I think the first movie that we can all say is a masterpiece. Um. There's a few other films that we'll review in the late coming months that I think will get a 5 out of 5, at least for me. Um, any final thoughts, either one of you? Nobody is talking to me. Nobody is talking. Nobody's going to talk to us in a while. Nobody's going to communicate with us. Like are, until are maybe six okay? months later or something like that. I don't know. We're completely insulated over here. I think we broke Milton. <laughs> <laughs> Are you being like the people in that movie, the thing prequel about the Swedish camp? That are all American? Yeah, that are all American in their Norwegian camp. God damn, that movie's stupid. Anyways, uh, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This has been Haven of Horror talking about John Carpenter's films, and we will see you next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.